pray, let a double portion of God's spirit be on me so that we can fan into the flame the continuing anointing of the spirit in our life, in our ministry. We refill our bodies every day. We take physical food every day. So why not get a refill of the Holy Spirit? Our gas tanks, we can only run on empty for so long. We need a refill. So I think a refilling of the Holy Spirit is a really good idea. So in today's passage, um, Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah. Now, during the Isaiah's time, the people had a form of godliness, but in their hearts, they were corrupt. We all are familiar with that, um, the situation at that time. The people were engaged in religious ritual, going to the temple every day, fasting and listening to scripture, readings, uh, what they were neglecting, the vulnerable and the oppressed. First, though, the, prophet, the first we hear is the prophet Micah warning the people. We hear his, God's heart of compassion and justice. And he says, God has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of us but to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. And then in Isaiah, before we get to the, the, patch, the passage which Jesus quotes, he says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is this, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the homeless with shelter? And when you see the naked to clothe them, God was not concerned with religious ritual, but he was filled with compassion for the vulnerable and the oppressed. We cannot do church if we were insular when, when we were in church, and now that we're in COVID, if we were insular and like a social club, we have been forced to examine who we are and what we are doing and who we are doing it for. How we are caring for others, how we are caring for the vulnerable, the oppressed among us. As the recent outcome of the pandemic has uncovered some extreme inequities. So Jesus is in Nazareth in his hometown and he's bringing this to point and it's, it's speaking to us today. What are we doing with regards to the vulnerable and the oppressed amongst us? As was his custom, Jesus was in the synagogue and Luke says this was his usual activity. So this was the beginning of his public ministry. He grew up participating in public worship. His spiritual practice of engaging with God, God's word and God's people had always been a regular part of his life. Now, I don't know if there are any younger, uh, any student, younger students on the call today, but good habits are a vital, healthy part of our religious life. Um, there was a time during my early university years at a non-Christian university, uh, I was less consistent and, and never fell into anything um, nefarious and soon returned to consistent fellowship um, while I was still uh, very young. But I allowed school, my part-time job and university and friends to consume most of my time. And so, and also being a high achiever that contributed to my so-called lack of worship time, but that's an excuse, uh, not a good reason. So I have to own that. Um, but again, for those that are attending, uh, that was a non-Christian university, which is again, not an excuse, but for those attending one today at Acadia, you have the advantage. So I would say, let it serve you well. You are here today. Um, for those that may be here today, I continue to pray that God's word uh, and God's people will always be a regular part of your life and that nothing 
will come uh, against you that will cause you to question your faith. When the synagogue attendant handed Jesus the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, Jesus read from Isaiah 61, 1, 2, which is today's text. And when he finished, he informed everyone that the passage had been fulfilled as they listened. He was saying that the words were about him. Jesus was claiming to be the Lord's anointed one, the king who Israel had long had been longing for and finally come, although they didn't fully grasp his meaning. Jesus was quoting from Isaiah 61, 1-2, where the prophet Isaiah pictures the deliverance of Israel from exile in Babylon as a year of jubilee when all debts are canceled, all slaves are freed, and all property is returned to the original owners. But the release from Babylon, Babylonian exile had not brought the expected fulfillment. They were still a conquered and oppressed people. So it is understood that Isaiah must have been referring to a future messianic age. So Jesus boldly announced, the scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled today. He was proclaiming himself as the one who would bring good news to the bring good news to pass. And so Jesus declares his mission right there. It was to preach the good news of God's kingdom to the poor. He had come to set the captives free, open blind eyes, set free the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Notice the types of people Jesus came to help, the poor, captives, blind, downtrodden. Jesus himself ministered to all people, people of all walks of life, the wealthy tax collectors, the fishermen, beggars, people on the street. People of financial status have of no major concern to him. It didn't concern him. He looked beyond people's outward needs to their inward need and the poverty of their soul. Um, and, to, and Jesus would speak to anyone who will listen to his offer of good news of the gospel. Often when we hear the word poor, we think of, we may think of finances. I, I know perhaps young people in uh, new to the faith may think that, but in the Bible, it is always about any area, poverty is about any area of insufficient, insufficiency in one's life. So uh, we could be financially well off and emotionally poor. And I've come across people who have, as I've been ministering recently, that are financially well off and emotionally poor. And I say that in the sense of everything gets to you, uh, gets to a, a person who is emotionally impoverished. Uh, they're a slave to their feelings, uh, easily angered and bankrupt, easily offended, and could be um, many things that uh, take them off track. And so emotional poverty is a serious uh, po poverty. We also could be physically poor and have all the all our financial needs met. But the good news is that Jesus is anointed for every sufficiency, for our insufficiency. He is the sufficiency for every area of our lives. He will supply all of our needs according to the riches of his glory. And with all of the sickness, including in my family and some of the devastating sicknesses that the people have I've come across in, in recent months, it doesn't mean that everything that we want, we will get, but everything that we need, we will have in Christ Jesus when we recognize that all that we need is him. We have the kingdom of God in our heart. Yes, even in sickness and in, and in death, Jesus lived and died to the glory of God. And so that's why I can confidently say that we have, he will supply all of our needs to the riches of, to the riches of his glory.
Jesus also came to heal the brokenhearted. When, when your heart is broken, you may feel as though no one understands and no one cares, but Jesus understands. He knows what it's like to be abandoned by friends and he ex experienced being let down. For that reason, he wants to heal our broken hearts. He also understands the sting of death. And so for those folks who are um, still mourning and grieving the loss of loved ones, he understands our pain and um, he wants to heal our broken hearts. Many times our broken hearts are caused by things beyond our control. Um, there's abandonment, there's pains of, the, of our past, there's rejection. Whatever it is, Jesus can mend our broken hearts. And uh, there, in these times, I've found also that there are many people find themselves in, dark, in a dark place and, and ask even, is life worth living? And the answer is always yes, because Jesus walks with us in those difficult places. And he says, give me the pieces of your broken heart and he will mend it. And I think of Psalm 23, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, um, the Lord is with us. So Jesus will also bring deliverance, liberty to the captives. The Bible teaches that before we give our lives to God, that we were all held captive by sin. Jesus wants to release us from the spiritual bondage of our sin and any other vices we might have. We simply have to admit our condition, turn from it, and ask God to give us a new heart. And then we yield, to the, yield ourselves to the help and the power of Holy Spirit, and we will know true freedom. It, Jesus will set us free from whatever has us bound. And I thought of uh, some people who are still living um, in tyranny, under the tyranny of um, uh, terrible leaders. Uh, I think of the, our people in Syria. And yet some of those Muslims who have become Christians are free, even though they are still in bondage. They are free because they are set free in their minds. And I think of the risk that they take in, in, in embracing Christ. It is amazing to see the faith that they have. But when Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. The Bible also teaches that before we give our lives to Christ, we are also spiritually blind. And so Satan, who is, on, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those, blinded the minds of those who cannot understand what his good message brings, the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of Jesus, the exact likeness of God. Jesus wants, our, wants, our, wants to open our eyes so that we can understand and respond to the gospel message. Jesus also speaks to the oppressed, those who are crushed with life. He understands our worries and our hurts and he wants to lift our burdens from our shoulders. I think of um, the passage of scripture that says, get yoked with Jesus and he will help carry our load. It's a beautiful image of uh, when we're yoked with Jesus that we're no longer carrying the load alone, but, but he carries the load. We carry the load with him. So we are carrying it together. And finally, Jesus said he was anointed to, clear, to declare that this is the acceptable, acceptable or favorable, favorable year of the Lord. This originally referred to the year of the Jubilee. We all, Bible scholars know this, but in this context, context it applies to the uh, eschatological fulfillment of Jesus' ministry. 
The year of the Lord's favor is another name for the year of Jubilee. Every 50 years when Israel was instructed to set the slaves free and release people from their debt, as well as allowing them to return to their family property. One commentator illuminates that the Jubilee is a symbol of the social and economic liberation of God's people. The key, however, to understand the year, the year of Jubilee is that it was inaugurated by the Day of Atonement when the issue of sin was atoned for, was addressed. And so this commentator makes it clear that the spiritual transformation is the foundation for the legitimate social, political, and economic restructuring of society. Spiritual transformation is the foundation for the legitimate social, political, and social restructuring of society. Why is so spiritual formation? I learned as I was at Acadia Divinity, as we meditated on a passage in Ephesians, if we could grasp the depth, the width, the height, and the length of God's love. Then, if we are transformed by the realization of that, the extent of his love, then and only then will we be able to love um, the way God loves and show compassion for others the way God would have us show compassion. If that spiritual transformation only takes place when we are takes place when we are filled by the Holy Spirit. That is the work of Holy Spirit. Jesus preaching then addresses both the content of the gospel, Jesus' coming death, his burial and resurrection and forgiveness of sins, and the scope of the gospel, the impact this good news should make on the issues of biblical justice, the equitable, equitable and impartial application of God's moral law in society. This is good news for those who are in economic crisis, the poor and in political crises, the oppressed. The lack of care and concern, however, for the welfare of all was an affront to God and to Jesus. Jesus was concerned for the salvation of all and he preached and he practiced justice and compassion. It was his message, it was his mission. Those communities with problems um, that we think are over there, far removed from our safe neighborhoods are the very ones Jesus is concerned about. He is concerned about the salvation and the needs of these communities. His kingdom, however, has to come in our hearts. That spiritual transformation has to take place before we can have a genuine interest in those people who are other than our own small group. More important and even than um, the correct worship and doctrine is genuine compassion, Jesus is telling us, for the poor, for the oppressed, and for the helpless. We cannot be saved without faith in Christ, but our faith lacks sincerity if it doesn't reach out to others. As we talked about earlier, um, the people were being criticized for their uh, fasting, and uh, Jesus says that fasting can be beneficial spiritually uh, and physically, but it's but at its best, fasting helps only the person doing it. God says he wants our fasting to go beyond our personal growth to acts of kindness, of charity and justice and generosity. This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with Jesus. You must humble yourself by going through the motions uh, 
he says you humble yourselves by uh, going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress up in burlap cover, in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. You feel you 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 call fasting and do and do you call it fasting and you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is not the kind of fasting that I want. That was a passage from Isaiah. Jesus wants us to free those who are wrongly imprisoned, lighten the burden of those who uh, are being oppressed, and to remove the chains that bind people. Share our food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who who need them and do not hide from relatives who need our help, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. It's a tall order, but it's what Jesus has called us to do. We are called to, to, to witness for Christ and to serve. How much of a, of a priority is it in our own personal lives and collectively as a society, the plight of the homeless, the helpless, the ref, refugees and the marginalized? Those suffering with mental illnesses, to know the gospel is one thing, but to live it is another. The gospel kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preaches saves us from hell, but it should also save us for making a kingdom in, impact on this world through our good works that brings glory to God and benefit to other people. Referencing there is Matthew 5, when the kingdom has come in our hearts. Jesus then is offering his people a new jubilee Recent events have simply highlighted the plight of the poor, the oppressed, and we could see, we could definitely use a year of the Jubilee. Our mission is the same as Jesus's mission, to bring good news to the poor, release to the prisoners, sight to the blind, and God's liberation for all people, especially the poor, the vulnerable, and oppressed. I've repeated that a number of times. Jesus said, in John 14, 12, you will do greater works. And we can in the power of Holy Spirit. The mission is not impossible. There is no, there is so much injustice, oppression and suffering. It can be a daunting task. And we might ask, where do we begin? As one faithful servant at eloquently stated, you may recall, Mother Teresa, you may not be able to save the whole world, but you can save one. Wherever you are, wherever we are, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to see the needs around us and do something. There are refugees. There's the case of Black Lives Matter. There are Native people strugglers. There are homeless people's concerns. There's human trafficking. There's climate change. There's single parent homes disaster relief efforts, there's telephone ministries that are needed. In our AUBA, our motto this year is listen, learn, share, and act. We can listen. So as you and I pray, listening for God's direction and wisdom, we can also take initiative, an initiative to be informed about the needs around us, not only Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, but all the needs that I've mentioned. We can seek uh, resources to gain information we can attend a seminar virtual, be willing to make ourselves available to hear and understand the concerns of others, learn about other cultures and celebrate with them, share in their events, listening to their stories, and then act because without action, nothing actually changes. Become part of a group to help bring reconciliation, understanding, respect, and appreciation. 
even celebration of differences. So your mission, should, should you choose to accept it, is to make Jesus known through proclamation of the gospel and responding to the needs, especially to those who are oppressed and vulnerable, was the nearest to Jesus's heart. If we are honest, we can spend a lot of time with our own needs. We forget, sometimes we think we are spiritually full, but our needs are always ahead of others. We forget the meaning of humble. And as it's been said many times, it is not thinking of thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. The mission is not impossible, but we must make sufficient time and space for prayer and meditation on the word of God and ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, not just a sip, but a drink. Drink deeply until the anointing fills you to overflowing and into the lives of others. I pray you receive this well.